Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Let's pray for the word today and um, just that God will move because I feel like this is a game-changing word the Lord gave me. I don't always feel that way. Uh, It's not like, oh, I've got a game changer every week. It's not like that. It's like, this is important. But next week, it was like, whoa, this is a paradigm shifter. So let's pray for that. Lord God, we ask you right now to manifest your personhood, your power, and your presence through the preaching of the word. God, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, you would bring an awareness of who Jesus is. Not only that, you would bring a tangible encounter with Jesus. Come on, does anybody want to encounter Jesus during the message today? That we would have encounters with the Word of God through the preaching of the Word. God, let it be so. Not that we only encounter you during worship, but that we encounter you during the Word, during the preaching of the Word. So, God, we're jealous for that. I ask you, Lord, to speak. Let your voice be heard in my voice. God, I don't just want to give good ideas. I want to speak as an oracle of the Lord, like your scriptures say. So, Lord, would you speak to every heart in this room, those watching this back later, those watching live. Speak to every heart as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, say amen. You know what amen means? It means so be it. So be it unto me. So when you say amen, you're saying, yeah, I want that. So that's a good thing to say. All right? It's not just some word. Why would you keep saying that weird word? Amen? Amen? Weird Men, what? Okay, all right. <laughs> Just hear thoughts in the room sometimes, and I answer them. I hear questions in the room, and I answer them. So maybe that was someone's question. I don't know. Okay. Or maybe I'm going crazy. Today, I'm going to preach a message called The Purpose of Holiness. The Purpose of Holiness. I'd like to submit to you that holiness is not the end goal. Holiness is not the end game. Holiness is not the ultimate result. I know some of you are like, what? Heresy. Yeah, that's okay. I'm used to that retort. It's fine. Check out my Instagram feed lately. People are really mad at me for quoting the Bible. It's awesome. Christians are mad at me for quoting the Bible, which is the best. Yeah. There's a purpose to holiness. Holiness is not in and of itself the full purpose. And we've had a paradigm in the church that says, be holy, just be holy, be holy, do holy things, right? Come out, come out of wickedness, be holy. And there is a why behind it. But we've left off the purpose, we've left off the why. And so we've been left with empty altar calls full of people. I said what I just said. Where the heart is not moved. The heart is not truly changed. Have you responded to like a few altar calls and then later your life was completely the same? Yeah, me too. Here? Okay, it's fine. Even here. Yeah, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. That's a problem, right? We need to respond to the Lord and be changed, right? And you're like, oh, you're right. I I screwed it up. No, it's not even your fault. We haven't put the touchdown. We haven't put the end zone in the right place. We haven't put the goal posts where they should be. The goalposts have been behavior. The touchdown has been you change the way you act. That's not the goal. That's the results of the goal. 
And you say, what is the goal? I'll tell you in a minute. This is to keep you listening on purpose. Fill in the blank, Caleb. I will. This comes from the right heart, our posture. We need to be holy. It's 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. It says, as obedient children, don't you want to be that? Okay, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I love that statement, former ignorance. Meaning, at one point you were trafficked by sin and you didn't know Jesus and you had ignorance and, and you had passions thereof. But don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You're no longer ignorant, all right? You need to move in wisdom, all right? Don't be conformed to those passions anymore. But as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct. So there is something to be said about our behavior, our conduct, the way we conduct ourselves, amen? Right? There are standards of conduct in the church, right? Come on. So it says, be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Wow. Anyone read these kind of things and go, oh, that seems pretty impossible. Anybody? Yeah? I know, me too. I'm like, what? How? How is this to happen? Well, this statement, you be holy for I am holy. Let me say it for you in another way. He's saying, you be holy because it's who I am. It's my nature. It's the way I go about everything I do. You know, we sing holy is the Lord. We sing holy, holy, holy. We, we're always shouting that. We're always saying that. But holiness is his nature, his, the way he does anything. Now, God has never done anything in an unholy way. Amen? Okay. But it's, an, it's not just the way he goes about it. It's who he is. And he's in you. So when we get into the category of describing God, you be holy, not just because it's a good idea, but you be holy because I am holy. Whenever it gets into that category of it's because it's who I am, we can actually start to cross-reference these I am concepts. Are you following me here? Okay. So we can look at other things. What else is God? If he says, I am holy, he says other things, I am blank. Now you can start to experience and understand what that word actually means. Are you okay? Yes? Okay. A few of you are nodding your heads. Hopefully I didn't lose you. Here we go. So let's look at 1 John 4, 7 through 8. This is all going to make sense in a second. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So he just said, you be holy, for I am holy. And this says, love one another, for I am love. God is holy. Amen. And God is love. Amen. The purpose of holiness is love. Love is the purpose of holiness. Love from one another is actually supposed to be the result of us walking in holiness. And in fact, holiness is what makes us effective in love. I'll tell you a story. I was at an event, uh, a church somewhere, doesn't matter where, uh, and it was a conference, and I'm sitting next to a guy, and the guy is having an argument with his wife and his kids in, in this, you know, we're worshiping and all this stuff, and like over the worship, I can hear the argument, you know, and he's standing right next to me, I'm like, dude, like, trying to get my Jesus jam on, back up, you know, like, or keep your voice down, homie, and they're arguing and stuff, 
And he is not being very kind at all. He's being short-tempered. Maybe he's having a bad day. I've had two of those, you know. That was a joke. <laughs> a lot of bad days. All right. So, I, you know, I understand. I'm not judging the guy, right? I'm not judging the guy. They have an argument. Any husbands and wives ever argued before in public? No, I know. Never. This is the one time it's ever happened for a Christian couple. I understand. It's the one time. I just saw a child raise his mom's hand. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. Just establish strength to defeat the Avenger. All right. Anyway. So I'm standing there. This guy's arguing, and they have a big falling out, and she, I, I can hear them, okay? So, like, I know what's happening. She wants to go home. They need to get the kids to bed or something, right? So they want to leave. He doesn't want to leave. And so that's what the argument's about. They end up leaving without him, and he just stands there, and he, like, makes eye contact with me looking for some support as they're walking away. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And he goes, he says to me, I just think my family needs to be in the presence of God. Is there anything wrong with that? I'm like, I really don't know how to answer you, dude. Um, so I just think that this is good for them. I'm like, mm-hmm. It's working for you, obviously. <laughs> I didn't answer. I'm like. I just kind of like did one of these. You ever do one of these? Like you do just an ambiguous answer of yes, no. Like I had no words for him. But he goes, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I just went back into it. I'm like, I don't know what to say to you, homie. He's looking to do the holy thing, but he forgot that the ultimate goal of holiness is love. Love for his family means, bro, go home, put them to bed, and have your own glory meeting, dog. Or come back, miss something, lay down your life for your spouse. Hello? <laughs> Holiness is what makes us most effective in love. Holiness is not the goal. It's the path. It's the path that leads to the greatest love. Is this shifting anything for anyone? I hope you're starting to see this is the, these are like the sides of a river. Don't do that. Don't do this because down here there's love. It'll lead you to love. Jesus is not in the business of making old things better. He's in the business of making dead things alive. Amen? So Jesus did not die and rise again to make more sinners, but to purify a people for himself, his holy ones. Right? But the people pur purified for himself is not the goal. <laughs> they're purified because they're the only ones capable of loving a dead and dying world back to life. I'm going to say all of that again. Okay? Jesus doesn't make old things new or better. He makes dead things alive. Jesus didn't die to make uh, more sinners, but to make sinners righteous. And the people who have been made righteous are the only ones capable of loving a dead and dying world into life. That is the goal. Loving them into life. So holiness is the how-to manual for love. You need to chew on that for the next five years. Holiness is the how-to manual for love. How, how, do I, how do I walk in holiness towards my neighbor? Love them. 
How do I love my neighbor? Walk in holiness towards them. It's the how-to manual. It's like two sides of the same coin. And I'd like to propose to you that holiness without love is no holiness at all. (laughs) Separating yourself unto God and doing good things for God without love is not holiness. It's not. And I'm just going to say it a little stronger because (laughs) I can. I don't know. (laughs) Any attempt at holiness without love as the ultimate goal will end in a form of godliness that denies its power. It will end there. It ends in this shell of godliness, this outward appearance of holiness, of righteousness that has no power to change hearts. It's powerless. That's 2 Timothy 3, 5, if you want to write that down, that there will be in these last days of people who have a form of godliness who deny its power. The power is in the love, bro. That's where the power is at. What does that look like? It looks like, I just think they need to be in the presence of God. She's wrong. I'm right. She needs to submit. I'm holy in my convictions. Yeah, that's what... That's a form of godliness, denying its power. And if God were saying to him, that person, in my opinion, your family needs to be in this right now, he would have been able to move in love. That would be the only path, right? And call them to holiness. It's like connected. It's like circular. It's like they connect with one another. Yeah, you're getting it. Okay. Are you on the same page with me here? We okay? That was the introduction. I'm not joking. That wasn't a joke. But here we go. Now I'm going to preach what I just, I'm going to prove what I just said. I'm going to let the scriptures do it. Sound good? Okay. Jesus sanctified himself to sanctify us. The word sanctification means to set apart for holy use. Everyone say that. To set apart for holy use. So he set himself apart to be used as God as a holy vessel of redemption. He did that in order to set us apart as holy vessels. Are you getting this? Yes? Okay. This is straight from John 17. We're going to read verse 17 through 21. This is Jesus praying to the Father, God the Son, talking to God the Father, by the power of God the Holy Spirit. When God talks to God through God, you should listen. Oh, my God. John 17, 17 through 21. This is Jesus saying, your word is truth. So make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will believe, one day believe in me through their message. Hey, That's us. We're in this room because somebody shared the gospel, right? Hello? From the disciples on down. That's you. Say, that's me. Jesus was praying for me. Isn't that amazing? Come on. It says, not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. This Unity, this oneness, is only held together by love. We can't will our way into oneness. Like, 
collaborating with other congregations, heck, collaborating within our own congregation, like getting three of you on the same page is hard enough, okay? Getting three churches, different churches, like, come on. Getting church from New York, a church in New York on the same page and in oneness as a church in Tampa, you know, or like whatever. There's so many different, think about in another country altogether, right? Like there's only one thing that's going to do that. To love. It's love and love alone. And his sanctification of himself was him setting himself apart for holy use so that we would be set apart for holy use. What is the use of holiness? Love. Amen. That is the point. We have stopped at the, at the sign. I made you holy. Okay, great. Yeah, it's like driving to Kentucky and stopping at the Kentucky sign. I made it. I experienced Kentucky and driving home. It makes no sense. It's, that's what that's what we've done in the church. You made me holy. I'm holy. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do holy things. Why? Love. There's a covenantal shift that needs to take place. Okay, because this is the problem. Many in the church have used the word consecration. Okay, and I'm not upset about it, but I am. I'm a new covenant person. I don't know about you. But I have no tolerance for old covenant paradigms. I think Jesus prayed a pretty, paid a pretty significant price to close the old covenant and open the new one. We just celebrated communion. I think it's important that we get out of old covenant paradigms. Anybody with me? Okay. Well, there's this consecration paradigm, all right? The old covenant required people to consecrate themselves. Consecrate is like Another word for sanctify, okay? The old covenant required people to set themselves apart. Consecrate yourself unto the Lord. Consecrate this day. Here's some examples. Um, I have them on the screen. Leviticus 20, verse 7. You can screenshot that. Uh, 1144, Joshua 3, 5, all these. These are examples of God saying to the people, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart because I'm going to use you, okay? But there was a shift that came. And you will not find, you will not find anywhere in the New Testament that says consecrate yourself. It doesn't exist. I triple checked. Okay? But please check me. Don't take my word for it. Go to the word for it. I'd love that you read your Bible to prove me wrong. Go ahead. Thank God you're reading your Bible. Hallelujah. It's awesome. <laughs> okay? I mean it. I mean what I'm saying to you. Find one. There is none. Okay? You know what happens in the New Testament? We go from consecrating ourselves to presenting ourselves. Why the change? Why the change? Well, the old covenant required you consecrate yourself to the Lord because you were not, they were not made holy. But the new covenant says present yourselves because you already have been made holy. Just present your holy self. Come on. And yet we have, so, we have people consecrating themselves unto the Lord even people I know that I love, dearly love, they're operating from these paradigms. I'm like, what about Romans 12, verse 1? says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And people will say, see, that's consecration. No, it is not. Present yourself. You've already been consecrated. It doesn't say go through emotions of, of, of cleaning yourself up so that you can present yourself. But that's exactly what the Jews had to do. That's exactly what consecration was. It's a covenantal shift. 
Not only there, there's other instances, but look at Romans 6, 13 through 14. It says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. You notice it doesn't say make your members instruments for righteousness. It says present them. Here they are, Jesus. Here's my instruments, my hands, my mouth, right? Present yourselves. Or present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, look at this, will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law, but under grace. I cannot wait for the day when that's a non-controversial statement. Sin has no dominion over you. None. How can you say that? Jesus. Sanctify himself so that we will be sanctified. I just have this conviction that all of Jesus' prayers get answered. And remember that prayer earlier? It says, I'm sanctifying myself so that you would make them holy. I'm making myself holy so you'll make them holy. God, make them holy. Father, make them holy. You think the Father's like, I don't know, man. It's not really a good idea. You're having these crazy delusions of grandeur for them. Let's keep them sinners. Let's keep them wretched. More easier to control. Can you hear the Father saying that? <laughs> That's not the Father's voice if you're hearing that voice. Let me just tell you, Okay. You, sin will have no dominion over you. Just look at your neighbor and say, sin has no dominion over you. Because you might believe it for your neighbor more than you believe it for yourself. But you need to believe this stuff. This is by faith. You can't present yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness if you don't believe you're free from sin. You're like, well, what about I, I sinned this week? Okay. You know what you don't need to do? Consecrate yourself. But that's exactly what you want to do. You want to clean yourself up. A lot of your prayer, I'd love to tell you because I love you. A lot of your prayer is an old covenant paradigm that's useless. A lot of your repentance is you trying to clean you. And Jesus is just like, I sent you a preacher. His name is Caleb. He tells you all the time. I'm telling you, I've seen him. I've seen Jesus doing the face palm. Come on. I made you holy. Jesus is saying that. He said, Jesus says, I am the one who sanctifies, not you. <laughs> we have been made holy already. This is the thing. We're reaching for holiness, and we're calling it the goal, when it's actually the path you're already on. And it's not even the goal. <laughs> this is a paradigm shift right here. And if we can get this, if this many people in this room can get this, the church will change. Like, the world will change. If you can get this in your spirit, things will change. Alarms are ringing. Heaven is taking notice, and so is hell. Hallelujah. All creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Even alarm systems are groaning in this moment. If you're listening to this on the podcast, there's an alarm going off next door. So, yes. You just take that as a word from the Lord. Pay attention. Alert. We have been trying and reaching so desperately for the thing that's not even the goal. In ignorance to the fact that we're already on the path. We've already been given everything we need to walk in holiness. Why did he say, be holy as I am holy? 
Because you just be it. You don't do it. Trying to do holiness. Just be holy. Because he already did it. Consecrate yourself is the idea of do something holy. Get, do something to make it okay for you to do holy things. Like the priests, they had to go through a certain ritual to clean their garments, all that stuff, to enter the holy of holies. Or else they die. You know, and tradition states, it's not in the Bible, but tradition states they would actually tie a rope around their foot. Guys who go into the holy of holies in the presence of God. Because, and they'd wear bells on their, on their uh, garments so that if the people outside stopped hearing the bells, they know the guy didn't do something right, and he died, and they'd drag him out. Straight up. That's what, that was, are you kidding this? That was for them to encounter the Holy Spirit. That was for them to experience the presence of God. <laughs> Is anyone connecting the dots here? Did anyone put bells on their garments before they walk in here out of concern for dropping dead? Did you experience the presence of God today? Anybody? How are you still breathing? You must have been made holy by his truth. And now you're presenting yourself. Come on. Come out of your deception that says you make yourself holy. Stop. It's impossible, and that's the point. Oh, I feel like the same anointing on Paul when he said, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has put a spell over your mind thinking you got to do something to be right with God? Theirs was circumcision. Ours is Bible study. <laughs> or church attendance or prayer or fasting or you just fill in the blank. My goodness. We have been made holy by his truth. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to read Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, and I'm going to read all of it. You're going to get a lot of Bible today, Okay. I grew up Baptist. I'm a Bapticostal and proud. All right? Straight up Bapticostal. We're going to read the Bible. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through 18. And this is in the Passion Translation because it's so self-explanatory in this translation. All right? It says, The old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. Even with its steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered, and the worshipers would have clean consciences. Is this making sense? Just logic. Instead, once was not enough. So by the repetitive sacrifices year after year, the worshipers were continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. For what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? You know, many altar calls are just sin reminders. <laughs> and it does not have the power to remove sin's guilt. So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law required them to be offered. 
And then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. You can either believe that or be in deception or rebellion, your choice. You get to choose deception or rebellion, your choice. Go ahead. Free will. Choose. <laughs> it says, by God's will, we have been purified and made holy. You're like, yeah, but. No, but. <laughs> Get your butt out of here, man. Like, no, we have been made holy. Any questions? <laughs> Once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah, yet every day, this is talking about the system of the law, every day priests still serve ritually offering the same sacrifices again and again. Sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. He's speaking to the Hebrews. He's speaking to these people who are doing that in this day when he wrote it. Okay, is this making sense? He's saying, y'all still offering sacrifices. But when this priest, that's Jesus, the high priest, had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on a throne at the right hand of God, waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turned into his footstool. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. I mean, black and white, guys. The Holy Spirit confirms this to us by the scripture. For the Lord says, afterwards, I will give them this covenant. I will embed my law into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. And then he says, I will not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? You're like, well, I'm not offering animal sacrifices Yes, you are. Every time you engage in some church act or some act of Christianity, thinking on the other side of this thing, I'll be more right with God, you're offering animal sacrifices. Hmm? Every time you, you feel more holy after praying, you just offered an animal sacrifice. I know I'm breaking like 90% of your Christianity right now. It's good. <laughs> we got old covenant paradigms running wild through our hearts and minds. But there is a oneness God wants, and it requires us to be holy vessels that present ourselves to God unto love for one another. Are you following me? We're never even going to get there if we don't believe the gospel for crying out loud. <laughs> it's just the gospel. Like, I feel like I have to preach the gospel to the church for the rest of my life. I really do. It's like, what is going on? I'm not going to say that. Okay. Let's go back to John 17, and let's complete part of the prayer here, okay, that Jesus prayed. John 17 and 21 through 23, he says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. And then it continues. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. 
What's the purpose of holiness? That's it right there. They will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Jesus did not consecrate himself, sanctify himself, set himself apart for holy use just to prove he could do it. Watch this, you know. He didn't just do it to prove a point. He did it so that we would know we are loved. Love is the purpose of all holiness. I feel like a lawyer in a courtroom. I feel like I just made a Loctite case. Like, you can argue in your mind all you want, but you're wrong if you think there's any other goal to holiness. God is looking for a people who will respond to his consecration efforts and love one another well as the result. Come on. Love is the purpose of holiness. Is this helpful? I, I hope this is helpful. I really do. Maybe this will reframe, like, the way you see the commands of God, right? Like, don't do this. Why? Because that's not the way to love them. Like, let's hit the, let's hit the, the ones that will make you most uncomfortable. How about that? Yeah? <laughs> it's like my way. It's my way. I don't know. Like sexual immorality in the church. It's everywhere. It's crazy. Crazy. The amount of pornography viewed by Christians, things like that. And we're like, stop watching porn because it's bad. True statement. But it doesn't even get to the why. Why? Because it's unloving. You're not loving those people on that screen. You're abusing them. They're being abused. You're not loving your spouse or your future spouse. You're neglecting them at best and hating them at worst. So come out, flee from sexual immorality. Why? Because you should. That's the purity culture that, like, don't have sex before you're married. Why? Because it's bad to do it. Bad. Okay, guess what happens? Everybody just lies. They wear the ring and they lie. Anybody wear that parody ring and lie? Don't raise your hands. It's okay. So <laughs> You're laughing because you know what happened all over the place. All right? That makes holiness the purpose of holiness. But there was a purpose that wasn't championed in that movement, and it's still happening today. The purpose of fleeing from things like sexual morality is to love your spouse. To connect with them on a deep level. There is an ultimate purpose here. Come on. Don't lie to one another. Why? Because that's not loving your neighbor. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because that's how you love them. Love is the purpose of holiness. I'm going to speak to a few different groups now. Those of you who want to accomplish the mission of God. Like that's what you live to do. And bring heaven to earth. You have to see that Jesus made you effective for the effort. He's already made you effective for the mission. God has given you the capacity to walk in holiness and love in such a way that every project he puts in before you is more than possible. It's probable because Christ is in you. Because his holiness is paving a path for you to move in ultimate love towards that mission. You'll say, mission accomplished. Some of you live for that. Others, those of you who see with great clarity the heavenly realms, and you have great insight into the heart of God, what he loves and what he hates, you need to see that the spirit of holiness has come home to live in your tabernacle for one reason, to love your neighbor. 
You are not simply to see the heavens. You are to bring heavenly atmosphere into every situation in a heavenly and Christ-like way. Many people wired like this are very rude in the way they tell people the truth. They love to speak the truth instead of speaking the truth in love. You have to understand the truth is what's here to make you holy so that you can love. There's another group. Those who are continually seeing the lost and the broken around, and you, you, you just see them. You can't help but see them. You need to realize that holiness in your life is the gift of Christ so that you can love them well into wholeness. Holiness is never an authorization for condemning the world, but only for inviting the world into his love. You're not simply to reach out to those who don't know the Lord for the sake of their eternity, but also for the sake of eternal love and in the way of eternal love. You've seen those people like on the street sign, street sign, God hates blank, put in the blank, whatever. Yeah. God hates evil. And you know what's evil? Telling people God hates them. <laughs> It's another group here. Those who wish to you like live for this stuff. You want to build healthy families. You want to gather people into deep community. And you must embrace the holiness of God and its pathways in order to build on love. Can't turn a blind eye to things that are wrong. Without holiness leading to greater love, you will attempt, you will end up in attempting to control others into doing and saying the right thing. You're not simply called to bring people together, you're binding them as one body in love. There's a last group, those who desire to understand the truth and share it so that the people around you can walk out of deception and into the light must take love as make love the ultimate goal of your sharing. When you share, the ultimate goal has to be they feel loved. They're invited into greater measures of love. You are not only called to speak the truth, you're called to speak the truth in love. The foundation of facts and head knowledge will always crack under extreme pressure and societal shifts, but love never fails. You are not only called to bring people into an awareness of God's ways and God's plan, but to bring them into an awareness of God himself. And God is love. Love is the purpose of holiness. What I just did, just so you know, is I outlined all five of the grace gifts. Some are called to be apostles in here. You have a mission. And you're able to accomplish it because of Christ in you. Some are called to be prophets. You see heaven. You see the heart of God. But the way you display that has to be from the heart of God right? Some are called to be evangelists. You see the broken. You see the hurting. But it can't be only for their eternity, like pray a prayer, go to heaven. It has to be for eternal love to rule in their hearts now. Some of you are called to be shepherds, build communities, but if you just turn a blind eye to things that are not right, and just say, oh, just sweep it under the rug because we're together, and we're together. I don't want to break anything up. You will not build on love. And if you don't build on love, it will break. Some are called to be teachers, and you just want to share, you want to share, you want to share. But your goal can't be head knowledge. Your goal can't be academia. It has to be that they live in a lifestyle of love. Because you're showing them God himself, who is love. Some are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's me. That's Jimmy and Gigi. That's Scott. There's a few. That's the sum. Everyone is called. Everyone is called. Amen. And you are called to live in love. Holiness is the way to get there. Would you stand? We're going to just bring it to a close here.
Was that helpful? Okay, good. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just have a moment of stillness and just close your eyes and just wherever you're at right now, wherever you're at in your journey of faith, or maybe you haven't even begun it yet, just take, take a moment and say, to ask your own heart, like, have I been striving to do right things as the ultimate goal, or is love my motivation? Really, ask yourself. Don't answer it out loud. Just ask yourself. And just ask the Lord to show you where love is not your motivation, even in recent events, recent history. And if there's anyone here who has never actually encountered the person of love, and maybe on the inside you feel like that right there, that sound. Maybe you're just like lost and confused. Maybe you're just having an overall freak out every day you wake up hoping just to go to sleep at night and wake up again the next day. Maybe you've never met the Lord of love. Today's your day. He loves you. His name is Jesus. He is God. He came to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death in your place so that you could know the Father and you could live in his love. He rose again on the third day, declaring his deity, his godliness, that he is the Son of God. And he, rose, he ascended to the right hand of the Father and sent his Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is the thing that's pulling on your heart right now that says, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. If you're in this room and you've never given your life back to God, that's what this is called. It's called salvation. It's not praying a prayer only. It's not just simply going to church or any of those things. Certainly not behavior modification. It's Jesus, you can have my life, and I'll take yours. We're going to have a prayer team up here in just a few minutes. And even as I begin to pray, the prayer team can come down. And they are here to receive you if that's you. We believe conviction has to move you. It has to move you. So you make the decision to come down and pray with somebody in just a minute after I say amen. Okay? So, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you did everything necessary for our wholeness and our holiness. <laughs> and that we get to step into who you are. God, I pray that you would show us, you would show us greater measures of holiness unto greater effectiveness of love. Unto greater effectiveness of love. That we would step in. We would step in to love for one another in a brand new way through your paths, through your ways, God of holiness. Thank you, God, that I am able to be holy as you are holy. Can we say that? Can we say that together? Say, I am able to be holy as you are holy. I am able to love because you are love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.